Jesus. Well, we get to hear our own Minister Chris. For those of you who don't know him, most of the time on Sundays you will see him upstairs or see him in the halls um, ministering to our children. And they, he's, he's just a fine young man. We're just so blessed to have him on the staff here. God called him here from Texas. And uh, why don't you just give him a warm welcome or a warm hello, rather. He's already here. (laughs) Praise God. Awesome. I'm going to bring this guy down here because I find out I tend to walk around a little bit sometimes every once in a while. You guys can go ahead of a seat. Before I read the word or kind of hop into my message here, I just want to give you a little bit more of an extended background. Some of you guys may know me. You may know a little bit about my story. And uh, I just want to talk with everyone. I'm the, the newest member on staff. Pastor Daniel always introduced me as, as that. I was here in October 4th. I moved from uh, Dallas. And... <laughs> It's really amazing what God can do in the, in the course of a couple years. Um, I was born, <laughs> are, we gonna do, are we really going to do this? I was born on a dark and stormy night, January 19th, 1988. No, I'm just joking. That's my sailor voice. Arr. But I was, I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and uh, we moved a few times when I was a kid. My dad and mom, they're actually watching online. Love you guys. Hi, hello. Amy, what's up? Uh, we moved around to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. My, my family uh, moved there so my dad could become a children's minister, children's pastor. So I grew up in Oklahoma. And then God kind of orchestrated some things in our, in our lives, in my life, so that I could end up here where I am today. Just a really quick timeline. Um, <laughs> it's really amazing. Like, I don't want to spend all night on it, but it's really amazing how God set it up. Just, just go for it, Pastor Karen. She's giving me the thumbs up. I have till 9 p.m., is that right? I'm just joking. That was a joke. That was a joke. All the kids are like, what? Oh, hey, kids, what's up? Sorry I didn't bring Oinky today. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of my pet pigs I have upstairs in Sunshine Company, so, or King's Kids, my bad. All right, so I'm in, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, a few years ago by, I'm about 16 or 17, and uh, through our connection of someone that we used to know a couple years back in Dallas, Texas, we find um, my dad can get a job opening actually over in Scottsdale, or Arizona, which is about an hour away from Phoenix, if you know where that's at, in Arizona, uh, the southwest, praise God. And um, from there, my brother decided to move to Maui out of the blue just one day, and he turns to me, I remember, I'll never forget it, I'm driving in his car, or in his SUV, I'm in the front seat, my sister's in the back, Amy. We're driving along, and Jeremy looks over to me. He's my older brother, Jeremy. He looks over to me. He's like, dude, you should come to Maui with me, man. He's like, all you're doing is hanging out and playing video games. And I was like, well, I guess that's true. All I am doing is hanging out, playing video games. Praise God. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I think I think I, sh- I think I, okay, maybe. And, like, I remember being so freaked out. My heart was, like, racing. I was so nervous and so scared. I'm like, why am I like this? This is weird. And looking on back, back on it now, I realized, you know, it was the power of the Holy Spirit kind of like, this is what you need to do type of thing. And I just kind of was, like, really nervous. I wasn't necessarily living, you know, like an on-fire Christian life. I'd been in church my whole entire life, and I was just kind of, like, going through the motions. This is when I raise my hands. This is when I sit down. This is when I pay my tithe and offering. 
Amen. That's a good bullet point, Pastor. You know, it's kind of just like almost a religious spirit that was kind of like in me just because I've been around it for so much that I really never decided to pursue God. I was kind of always just kind of hanging out. Oh, yeah, my parents are at church. I've got to go because my parents are going. But in Arizona, God really changed something around. And I remember that night when Jeremy told me, he's like, dude, you, and that's how my brother talks. It's not like, hey, brother, you want to go to Maui? You should pray about it. It was like, dude, you should go to Maui with me. Kind of one of those things. I was like, okay. And then that night at church after service, I go, hey, mom, um, Jeremy invited me to Maui to go to Maui with him. Like, what do you think about that? What if I went to Maui? And my mom looks at me without like almost, it was like a half a second of her thinking. She goes, okay. I was like, what the crud? Like my mom just said, okay. Now I love my mom. Love you. You're watching. So if you don't get like, she loves it when I do her voice, right mom? So she said, and like talking to her later, um, I realized, you know, like God was really working through her because my mom, she's very loving. I don't want to say clinging, but she's a mother. You know, she's like, hey, sweetie, you want me to make you a sandwich? Okay, I'll make you a sandwich. And it's just like, my mom is very loving. So for her to say, okay, like that, it's just like, wait, what? I can go? Like I'm 18, I think I was 17 or 18 year, years old at the time. This is in 2007. And she gives me the go ahead and it was February, I believe. And she said, okay for me to go. So I'm like, I'm moving to Maui. And if you're 18 years old, this is kind of a daunting, whoa, this is pretty interesting. All right. So it's very daunting, very frightening, very scaring. So for me, it was a, it wasn't so much a, a step of faith, but just a Let's go to Maui with my brother and hang out and have some fun. So my mom, being a good Christian mother that she is, she searched online, you know, good, good Christian churches on Maui, and up pops King's Cathedral and Chapels with Dr. James Morocco. And I'm like, okay, what's this church? I don't even know she's doing that. She just said, I found the sweetest church. It's amazing. It's the biggest church on Maui, blah, blah, blah. And she'll, she's, me and brother are like, oh, right on. <laughs> okay, shaka, brother, you know, like, we're already ready to do the hang loose Hang this, bro. Like, we're already there. We're, I'm like, okay, we're going to go snorkeling. We're, I'm thinking it's just going to be a big vacation. But praise God, he tricked me, and I'm so glad that he did. Because I thought I'll, like, God tricked me. Because I thought I was going to hang out and have fun. But in my, it's just like, he's full on, like, slapped me upside the head. And I was just like, you know, I'm worth a dang. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> so we, we moved to Maui, me, myself and my brother. We get there on a Friday, and then that Sunday... We're in church at King's Cathedral in third service. Pastor Josh, if you were here for the prophetic conference, Pastor Josh Morocco, um, Dr. Morocco's son, he was leading worship on stage, and I believe he was also preaching that day. And up there on stage with some transformed students, and that young lady's husband, Pastor Alex Betzel, was up there. And I, was, I sat in the third row next to my brother and my mom beside him, they came off the stage, they sat down right in front of us, and the very first person I met at King's Cathedrals and Chapels was Alex Betzel. How cool is that? So he turned around, shook my hand. 2007, he was going through KSM himself. Um, and then, you know, I, I needed a job. I became a janitor for the church, which is rare because um, usually get hired in-house or someone that goes to the church there. But I just moved there, and that week they gave me a job. Uh, Pastor Glenn prayed about it, and he's, he felt like I should be on staff or whatever. So I did that for a couple years. I interned, did KSM there under Pastor Kirsten Davis, and he's the children's pastor. And uh, actually, he, he was the children's pastor at KC Maui, but now he, him and his family, with along with Pastor 
Pastor Brian Reynolds is doing uh, a work there in Lebanon, Oregon. So he's over in Oregon with him and his family. So praise God for that. But he taught me a lot of different things. Praise God. I mentored under him for uh, five years and I lived in Maui, I believe. Was it six or seven? No, I was in Maui for five years. So I was under Pastor Kirsten for five years. And then God... um, Took a good five years to get on staff, praise God. And then I moved to um, Dallas two years ago, Dallas, Texas, with Pastor Bruno, who's actually also at the prophetic conference, if you're there for that. He was the other bald pastor, praise God. And um, it's just the easiest way to describe him, the other bald pastor. Okay, cool, Pastor Bruno. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was there, and I, and I helped in the children's ministry. I did the children's ministry as well as media. And, you know, when you're an extension... Um, you pretty much have every job. You're not just a children's minister. You're hundred other, other different jobs, praise God. So I did that in two years. And then in, was it August, June, July, August, September? It was August where Pastor Bruno pulls me aside. I'm, I'm wrapping up my life story here. And I, I paraphrase in five, five to ten minutes, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> um, Pastor Bruno just pulled me aside one Sunday afternoon after he's done preaching. He's ready to go to our annual conference, our August prophetic conference. And that was in 2014, just a little while, just about a half a year ago. He pulls me aside and said, hey, you're going to be getting a call from Dr. Morocco and or Pastor Daniel. And I'm like, really? Okay. Well, the doctor's kind of intimidating. And if, you've, if you've seen him preach up here, you've shaken his hand, you know he is someone <laughs> who you should have a holy reverence for. Let me just put it like that. Like, the fear of God will strike you. Praise God. It's a good thing. And definitely worthy of it. Praise God for Dr. Morocco. But I'm like, okay. And he's like, I'm like, what's going on, Pastor? He's like, "Uh, we've been talking for a couple weeks in staff meeting. And um, Dr. Morocco, you know, they've decided that, you know, if it's up to you, if, you know, you feel... Not you know, but I'm explaining it to you right now. Like, you don't personally know. That's why I'm sharing this story. Um, Sorry, it's just the way I talk. Uh, (laughs) I'm like Revelations. You guys ever read Revelations? It's talking about one thing. It stops. It talks about another thing. And then it goes back to the other thing I was talking about. And then you finish it. And then it goes back again to the second thing I was talking about. That's how Revelation reads. That's kind of how I am. So I apologize if I'm like that. Want to say hi to my family? No, I'm joking. That was a joke. We've heard his testimony three times tonight. Just get it on. Let's, let's go, okay? No, so I'm there, and I'm like, okay, like, I guess I might be going to Alaska sometime soon. And this is the farthest north I've ever been. You know, like, on the Lord of the Rings, I'm a nerd. I'll, I'll gladly say it. When Lord of the Rings, when Sam is, like, standing at the edge of the cornfield, and he's like, this is the farthest from home I've ever been. That's, like, how I was feeling. Like, that one step, and it's just like, oh, my goodness. My family's from New Hampshire, so, like, North-wise, I guess that's pretty far north, but up here in Alaska is the farthest from home I've ever been. No, it's pretty great. But (laughs) you like my accent over there? That was for you. Praise God. Hobbits. All right. Hey, Dr. Morocco preaches from Lord of the Rings, okay? He talks about Aragorn being return of the king. Hello, that's Jesus. All right, praise God. (sighs) So I pray about it one week. God gives me peace. (laughs) God gives me peace, and he's like, all right, I guess I'm moving to Alaska, because in my mind, ultimately, it's not about me or my paycheck or how comfortable I am, so praise God. It's about what does doctor want? What does the church want? What does Pastor Daniel need up there? They need help? Okay, I want to go help him. 
So a week goes by, I don't get a phone call. Pastor Bruno comes back from the conference. What's going on? Have you got a call? No, no calls. I'm like, okay. So then a couple of days go by after that, and Pastor Daniel calls me up. Hey, Reverend Diamond. That's what he calls me as Reverend, or Brother Diamond. Lately, it's been Brother Wonderful. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> you guys heard that, right? Brother Wonderful? I don't know what that is. He calls me up, and he says, hey, you know, praise God, bless God, praise God. I'm sure Pastor uh, Bruno has talked to you about some things. Like, uh, yes, Pastor. He's like, all right, so... Are you coming? Yes or no? Pretty much. <laughs> he just cut to the chase. I was like, well, pastor, you know, God's given me uh, not a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. No, I wasn't, so, I wasn't that spiritual. I was just like, yeah, I have peace about it. I think I should go. And he's like, awesome. I'm like, okay, so how does this work? When do you guys meet, need me? And he's like, uh, yesterday. We need you here on a flight right now. Come to Alaska. And I'm just like, um, well, you know, I have a car. I have a lot of stuff. I have an apartment. I have things physical tethers to this world that I must get rid of. Um, so <laughs> a month later, I move here, and I'm just like, oh, praise God. Okay, here I am in Alaska. And that's pretty much, like, I look back at my life, and I see little things that happened or things that I thought were mistakes that weren't mistakes. It's the divine call of God for my life, and that's where... I am today. He brought me here today. All these little things, you know, even just my pastors. I love it because my pastors, even my parents, I love it because I told my parents, like, I don't want to be, when I was in Arizona, so that was seven, eight years ago, like, I don't want to be involved in ministry. I don't want to do anything. I want to be a director. I want to shoot videos. I want to be cool. I want to be a Steven Spielberg. Tick, 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 tick. Maybe not that old fashioned, but you know what I'm talking about. I was just like, I am all about the video stuff. But I had a real heart change when I moved to Maui and I encountered God in a new way that I've never, never even like imagined he'd use me. And I just want to say thank you, Pastor Karen, for letting me preach tonight. What a privilege and an honor. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So God has just used me. It's like, man, I messed up. I have flaws. I used to be a doorknob with, you know, oh, that's what Pat, Minister Dave Foote, it would also, it's like someone that's kind of worthless. You're just kind of hanging out. Look at that doorknob, you know, kind of you sit there, you don't do anything. So I was just sitting around picking my nose. I worked at Old Navy. I had kind of a job to feed my addiction, which was World of Warcraft, a video game. So I just play that. Mom and dad, this must be a wonderful flashback for you guys. <laughs> They're probably slamming it to Anna. I remember that. Oh, genie, settle down. <laughs> Imitation is the best form of flattery, parents. I love you guys. You're the reason why I'm here, because of your prayers. Thank you so much, parents. Thank God for praying moms and dads, because I have no clue where I'd be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that they hear the word of the Lord. Because my mom, if she was in her right mind and not filled with the Holy Ghost, she would have never let me go to Maui. Praise God. <laughs> All right, so enough about me. I'm just overwhelmed and I thank you so much just even being here you guys welcomed me into the family it's KC one church in many locations we're definitely family and it definitely feels like family coming here the first Sunday it was just like oh this is KC even with Pastor Alex I, I served in ministry he did the youth ministry in Maui I did the children's under PK and even Mike was there and we graduated together we had some fun times up in Kula some hard times up in Kula the rats man, those were crazy you remember that dude yeah, the roaches. I, was, I apologize. Um, moving along. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Sorry. I like to have fun. We got some kids here. I need everyone to please stand up. There we go. Make sure everyone's awake. I need everyone to stand up. We're awake. We're about to read the word. Praise God. Corey, high five. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about, buddy. All right, we're going to read the word of God. We're looking at Luke 18 today. I believe God has given me 
a word, not only for everyone, but also for myself. Pastor Dan Moeller, a mighty spiritual giant, a man I look up to wholeheartedly. Some of you may know him. He says, I don't read my Bible for you. I read it for myself. And that's exactly the approach I try to take in preaching. I don't read a word just so you guys can be blessed, but also me. And it's what I'm dealing with in my life and what God's taking me through. So I'm like, he's given me new revelation, so why not share it with everyone else? So praise God. Amen. Luke 18, verse 9. I'm reading from the New King James. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you will preach through me tonight. It's not my words. It's not what I want. It's not a pat on the back that I need. But God, it would be you speaking through me tonight. Give me the right words to say. Give clarity right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise God. This story is a parable Jesus told of two different people, one in sin. Dude, tax collectors must have been horrible back then. They're like all over the Bible, yeah, tax collector. No, I'm not, I promise, I'm not, I promise. I, you, I let them borrow my money, it's, it's nice to give it. You're a tax collector. What's the equivalent of that today? I don't even know. Tax collector, just an all-around bad guy. He's a bad guy. All the kids say, he's a bad guy. Okay. <laughs> I hear you. I see that hand. Thank you. <laughs> he who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Everybody say yikes. That's another, that's another thing I learned from Pastor Brian Reynolds. He'd always do that. Everybody say yikes. <laughs> so good. Okay. I, I want to be a little bit more interactive today. My style of preaching is kind of unique, as am I. Some of you may know. So I might come over and give you a high five. That was awesome. Come on. Or uh, say some different things that may just, just to wake you up. Praise God. Three services, four services, including tonight on a Sunday. It's awesome. You're here because you hunger more of God. I like that. That's what I love about Sunday nights. We don't just get all the, the people to hang out or to fulfill the religious duty. If you went to Sunday morning, you don't have to come to Sunday nights, but you come to Sunday nights because you want more of God. Praise God. Tonight I'm talking about pride. Something God has really been dealing with in my life. Selfishness. Something we all deal with. It all started when I picked up this book. I went to the conference in January. And uh, one of the people there was talking about this book. It's called Irresistible to God. I bought it off of Pastor Alex because he got the audio version or whatever. Um, I didn't start reading it till a couple weeks ago. Even though I had it for a while. 
I saw it. Irresistible to God. Oh, yeah, I want to be that. Cool. Irresistible to God. That's awesome. I want to be irresistible to God because, you know, God loves us. He cares about us. But there's certain things that we can do that grieve him or that make him sad. And I don't want to do that. I want to be irresistible to God. So I picked it up. It's by uh, Steve Gallagher with Pure Life Ministries. Um, he's awesome. You can check out his book. He's got a couple of other books that are awesome. Praise God. But this is called Irresistible to God. First chapter blew me away, slapped me right across the face with the Holy Spirit. I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Let me read more, more slaps, more slaps. I was just completely blown away by the bluntness and just even the reality of my own sin staring right back at me and just even how disgusted I was with myself and even just what, like... I can't even explain it because it's, it's such like a burden on my heart of how sometimes, how selfish we can be, how obsessed, how so self-deluded we become of all we care about is one person and one person only. It's sad. And this book really opened up my eyes to that. So I was like, I need to know every single pastor that has ever preached on, you know, pride, humility, anything like that. So I went online, you know, T.D. Jakes and Dan Moeller's got a couple awesome ones and Todd White. And I looked up all these different pastors, even Dr. Morocco, Dr. Morocco and I believe Pastor Alex had one on humility like last year or something as well as um, identity or something. I was just like, I, I dove in the word. I attacked it and I went after it. I read half the book in, in like a day or two. I was just eating this thing up because I wanted to know like, dude, how do I get out of this? How do I, because I know pride. Okay, I need to be humble. Like, right, you hear the word pride and you're like, okay, all right, settle down. Or, you know, what's so great about us as human beings and who we are is you know exactly when someone is being prideful. <laughs> and the funny thing is, we know pride so well is because we do it all the time. <laughs> Dang it! Like, oh, I know exactly that person. I can tell that person being arrogant right now. Like, okay. Well, you must know pride really well from somewhere. Where did you find that from? But I just want to kind of look at different stories in the Bible that God has used people with pride or given them second chances or see just kind of, because the Bible, the, the Bible, the Bible is riddled with this disease. It's really a disease. It's our human nature. It's what we're born into. God did not desire for pride to happen. It's the very first sin. Satan thinking to himself, I'm better than God. Now to me and to us, that's ridiculous. Complete Okay, kids, cover your ears. Complete and total idiot. He's an idiot. Satan, it makes me laugh. Okay, kids, uncover your ears, but you can't hear that, so parents, help me out. Um, it makes me laugh because, like, Satan, you'll get that on the ride home. Satan thinks he's going to be better than God. He's an angel. He thinks he's got it all under control. I'm in charge of the praise and worship, and I think the choir could be a little bit better if we had the archangels on the side, we had the messenger angels up top, and I was playing the saxophone. You know, like, what? Really? You're going to be better than God. You are going to make choices. You're going to sit upon the throne surrounded by a sea of glass. Like, this is going to be you. Okay, yeah. And there was no major fight or anything. Boom, got sent to the earth. You're done. And the funny thing is, the very first pride, the very first sin in existence was pride. It was selfishness. Me, 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 me. All I think about is myself. I'm better than God. I can do this. I can do this. Me, 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 me. All I think about is myself. And if you look, the first, the first spiritual sin was pride. The first human physical sin was also pride. The fact that they ate the, the fruit wasn't 
the actual sin. It was just a piece of fruit. But God told him not to do it. And Satan told Adam and Eve, you can look it up in Genesis, Adam and Eve, that you eat the fruit, you die. And Satan, God said that to Adam and Eve, I'm sorry. And Satan said, you're not going to die. Your eyes will be open. You'll become like God. See how awesome God is? You'll become like him. You'll be neck and neck. Everybody say yikes. <laughs> it's the very first instance where sin comes in the earth. It's pride. I can be like God. Chomp. Adam, this tastes great. Whew. Really? Where'd you get it? A snake? Seems legit. <laughs> Death. You created mosquitoes, Adam and Eve. You created mosquitoes. <laughs> and centipedes. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, man, the very first sin is all you have to do. Satan didn't say, you need to betray God. And he's coming over with his little snake body. And they're like, whoa, what's going on? This is kind of freaking me out. What's happening? He was just like, you'll be just like God. And all, they, I could see the thought pattern in their minds just kind of spiraling out of control. And before you know it, me, 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 I, 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 all I care about is myself. I can become like God, chomp, and then it's over. The very first time we ever see sin in the Bible, it's pride. It's selfishness. It's only thinking about ourselves. Everybody say, yikes. C.S. Lewis, the author of Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, um, Out of the Silent Planet. You guys heard of that trilogy? It's a space trilogy. Fun fact, him and J.R.R. Tolkien were awesome best friends, and they both decided to write some awesome fantasy books together, a trilogy. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings. Uh, coming back around to Lord of the Rings. And C.S. Lewis wrote a space trilogy called Out of the Silent Planet. But it didn't get that much recognition like Lord of the Rings did. But maybe one day we'll make a movie. Come on, C.S. Lewis. I'm, I'm tugging for you, buddy. Narnia. He wrote that too. All right. C.S. Lewis says this. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. If we all are glorified in our, in our heavenly robes, we all have mansions, we're all, in the, we're all in the same playing field. We're all level. There's no need for pride. There's no need for sin, obviously, because God is there in heaven. There's going to be no sin whatsoever. But if you think about that, some things to, add, to ask yourself. Pride. Okay, there's, there's, a, there's a pride issue in my heart. Is it because I want to make myself better than them? I want to be perceived as a better person, so I'll tell a lie? Is it, I want to make, make these people think I'm cool, so I'll say, uh, I've got a Ferrari, but it's in the shop. <laughs> Just saying, like, oh, dude, that person is so cool. They have a Ferrari. <laughs> have we ever thought that? Like, oh, wow, they've seen that movie 15 times and know how to quote it. You're so cool. Like, really, does that... Like, in all honesty, I'm not trying to, like, belittle people that, you know, like, do that or have a problem with that or whatever. You know, you may think it's cool. Good for you. But, like, really, honestly, no one's going to be like, this person, I need their autograph right now. That is so cool. <laughs> it's comparing ourselves to others. It's saying, what do I have that's more than them. I have a car. They don't have a car. I have a job. They don't have a job. <laughs> At least I'm not that person. Everyone say yikes. Yeah. At least I'm not that person. We've all been uh, accused of that. 
Just to look at some pride in the Bible, King Saul didn't obey God. How many of you guys know that obeying just a little bit, not all the way, is still disobedience? It's still disobedience. Mom knows that as well as I do. Mom, love you. Halfway obedience. Mom, I, I don't know if you remember the story, but I told it when I was preaching to youth. I would uh, not brush my teeth when I was a young little boy because I just didn't want to. I was playing games, doing stuff, playing with Star Wars action figures, whatever. Legos, who cares? Um, and my mom would be like, Christopher. It was in the, the Dust Bowl. You remember that, Mom? Some little fun phraseology. What was it? Rustic Road. Yeah, so we were in Rustic Road, and you asked me, Christopher, have you brushed your teeth? And I'd be like, yes, Mom, I have. But I didn't tell her I'd brushed it two nights ago. So uh, technically speaking, <laughs> I brushed my teeth. <laughs> so that went on for a couple days. Christopher, did you brush your teeth tonight? Well, well, I brushed my teeth. Christopher. She calls me Christopher, right? When it's to the point, you know how it's the whole name. Christopher John Diamond. <laughs> you know, the, the hairs in your neck are just like, okay, love you, Mom. Or my dad, just a fun fact, my dad goes, Christopher, like that. He kind of like, in the beginning, it's like, Christopher, like Christopher, but with like a stern, manly voice. Like, I know I'm in trouble. Coming, Father, right away, as fast as I can. Yeah, right, I'll go hide in my closet. <laughs> but my mom asked me this one night, did you brush your teeth tonight? And I was like, uh, yes, I brushed my teeth. And she's like, there's weird hesitation and awkwardness in his voice. I'm going to check this out. So she's like, really? Because um, I've been watching you. And she caught me. She caught me. I didn't brush my teeth. And she goes, um, I've been watching you. You, didn't, you did not brush your teeth. And I go, well, I brushed my teeth a couple nights ago. And she goes, that's not going to fly. That's disobedience. You lied to your mother. Get in my room. How many of you guys ever heard that before? Get in my room. You know what's coming. She's got the... It was, this, it was the spaghetti spoon, right? It was the wooden spaghetti spoon that has the hole so it whistles. Oh, yeah. I got, a, I got swats. Train up a child in the way they should go, and the way they're old, they will not depart from it. Praise God. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for teaching me how to obey. And brush your teeth, kids. For the love of God, brush your teeth. Partial obedience is not total obedience. So here's King Saul in the Bible. He thinks it's all, he's, he's all that in a bag, bag of potato chips. He thinks he's great. He's, <laughs> okay, I'm done with the analogies. I was going to keep on going on that. Somewhere I don't want to go. He thinks he's all that. Prophet comes to him like, what are you doing? God told you to kill all the sheep, destroy the entire city, kill the king, kill everyone, get rid of everything. What are you doing? And he's like, kind of like sitting, standing there next to the king. And he's like, well, you know, I was, I was saving some of the stuff so we could distribute it to the children of Israel. And we'd be blessed. And we'd be blessed. He was trying to justify away his sin. Everyone say, yikes. He had an excuse. How many of you guys know that excuses won't work in heaven? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so done. Jesus, help me. <laughs> So the prophet, I believe, was it Nathan or Samuel? I can't remember. The prophet comes. It was Nathan? Samuel, Nathan? We have, we're on two sides? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Prophet, he's like, dude, it matters, but I'd have to look it up. On, and just for time's sake, here's the deal. It's Samuel. Just for time's sake, I'm sorry. We're just having fun. He looks at him and say, dude, 
you idiot. What are you doing? You're disobeying God. He's like, well, I, I made a sacrifice and I, you know, I worshiped and, you know, but it, that didn't matter. It didn't matter how many excuses or how many things he had. Okay. He had the right intent, but the fact is he didn't obey. The fact is he did not obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Everyone say yikes. That's something to write your notes. Thank you, ladies. Write that down. Obedience is better than sacrifice. This is in the Bible. I can't take credit for it. So he shows up, corrects him. The whole thing goes on again. God gives him another chance. (laughs) Are you enjoying this as much as I am? God gives him another chance. He messes up again. He messes up again. Oh, my goodness. Dude, get your act together. Saul, come on. Eventually, he dies in battle. He falls upon his own sword. I believe he kills himself. Bummers. And in all honesty, it's like, dude, get your act together. Another form of pride was Miriam. And I talked about this at the youth conference. Miriam, she liked to talk stories behind people's back. Everyone say, yikes. Talking stories is Hawaiian pidgin vernacular for talking about a story. (laughs) Um, Okay, where are my notes? Notes, notes. I'm just joking. Okay, so she's talking story. Numbers 11, I believe. Numbers 12. Numbers 12. Miriam and her brother Aaron are talking. Miriam initiates the conversation. She starts talking bad about her, bro- about her brother Moses. Says God heard her. He's omnipresent. He hears everything we say and do. God looks on our heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. He calls him outside, all three of them. He's like, dude, Miriam, I can hear you. Like, hello, the presence of God, I'm here. Like, uh, I've been talking with you this entire time. It was a sense of entitlement. She thought, this is what she said. She's like, are we not, are there not also other leaders other than Moses that can do God's will? And she's talking about God and she's sinning. That's a heart check right there. You justify it like, oh, we're not gossiping. We're talking about God. Oh, let's pray for that person. They just need God talking about God. And here comes God going, Moses, your sin and your brother are like, stabbing you behind your back and she became leprous that very instant it says her her skin turns white it's in numbers 12 the whole story i'm just paraphrasing because of time's sake and she had a sense of entitlement she was there from the beginning she's the little girl that dropped baby moses in the water she knew she helped mom change his diapers she was used by god she she helped probably save his life she got him into the mile she shows up Oh, I know a lady that can help you nurse this baby while you're, you know, you're the queen or whatever. Takes him right home to her mom. God uses her, praise God, for Miriam. But here she is. It's been a couple years. She's kind of getting used to the spotlight. She's loving it. Oh, wow, there's millions of people following me and my brothers. This is kind of cool. I'm the older sister. I should be respected more. Um, Can't God use other people than Moses? I mean, like, we're leaders too. What's the deal? I mean, come on, get with it, God. What's the deal? Like, what's going on? And God's like, "Um, I hear you. She becomes leprous. And this is what's so amazing. Moses, it says a little bit before that, that Moses was the most humble man in the Bible. It says that in Numbers. The funny, do you know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses wrote the book of Numbers. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> he wrote, Moses is the most humble man. It's like, um, like, but really, how humble can you be in order to write that? Like, he must have been pretty humble in order to say he's the hum- most humblest man. He wrote, he wrote the, the book of Numbers. <laughs> Pastor, stop. I need to preach. You're making me laugh. 
Moses says to God, no, God, don't take, don't give her leprosy. Please heal her. Don't do this. Wow. He just found out his own flesh and blood, his kin, his sister and brother were just dogging him, bad-mouthing him, stabbing behind his back. In the instant he finds out, he says, no, God, please do not kill her. Don't do it. Please save her. God. So she gets sent out of the camp for a week, learns her lesson, and God restores her. He heals her. If she wasn't, <laughs> if she wasn't Moses' brother, she'd have been dead, I think, a long time ago. Some different um, looks of pride in the Bible. Matthew 19 talks about the rich young ruler. He goes up to Jesus saying, dude, I've done everything. This is, um, I apologize, this is like the Chris Diamond International version. Like, I just like to paraphrase for time's sake and just to move it along. And it's easy for kids to understand, and they don't realize I'm talking about the Bible. And when they get older, they're like, dude, that's in the Bible. I learned about that a long time ago. That's awesome. Matthew 19. Rich young ruler, he says, I know I've done, I've done everything. I've done everything. I obey my parents. I pay my tithes and offerings. I do this, uh, you know, I don't want to say I'm humble, but you know, I'm not too, not too shabby, you know. He's telling Jesus this list of stuff he done, he's done. What else can I do so I can inherit the kingdom of heaven? Jesus knowing exactly what his problem is. The little spot in his life he's never really taken the issue of. The, really, the thing he's never really addressed. Sell everything, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And that one sentence, the next sentence he walked away with his head down because he was a man of great wealth. He had the pride of life. I care so much about my stuff, about what I have, that I can't let it go and give it to God and follow him. I struggle with that. I deal with that. Sometimes I get ripped up, wrapped up in physical possessions. I remember on Maui, God really took me to a place of humility. I don't know if I want to share this story. Nope. Okay. <laughs> you thought I got everyone on that one. <laughs> he's going to share it. Yes. He's going to open up. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Okay. I'll tell it. Okay. So <sighs> the first year I'm living on Maui, my mom's like, sweetie, how you doing? I'm loving life, mom. My brother moves home for various reasons or whatever after four months. So I'm left on Maui by myself. And I'm there with Pastor Josh. I've really gotten a, um, a connection with him. Shelby, do you know what I'm going to talk about? No? Okay. I'm, I'm friends with Shelby, friends with a bunch of people, friends with Pastor Alex in the youth ministry. I'm starting to, you know, oh, there's that janitor guy, Chris Diamond again. He's so wacky and crazy. And um, I believe at that point, God had really changed my heart. And I knew, I knew I was supposed to stay in Maui. I was not supposed to go back um, to where I was. Because I'm like, there's nothing there for me. There's way so much more going on where I'm at right now. So... I had no place to stay, so Pastor Josh let me stay like up in Kula, which we have like a, a church with like a kind of uh, some rooms attached to it at the back of it, kind of like a dorm room situation. You know what I'm talking about. Two years of our life spent in that room. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could go so much on the Kula building. Praise God. Um, but... But God really humbled me, man. Pastor Josh, he let me stay there for a couple months, but then we were starting school there, and he's like, I can't have you there because you're staying there, you know, rent-free, blah, blah, blah. You've got a job, but, you know, it's peanuts. And I, I, the prices on Maui are pretty astronomical. Like, 
milk is like eight bucks or something crazy like that nowadays. Gas is like $15 a gallon and not that crazy. Maybe like 14, more realistically, 14, really speaking. It's not, but <laughs> it's seven. Okay. That's crazy. Praise God. Um, but God had me in a place where I literally had nowhere to live. I stayed in, I stayed, oh my gosh. There's this little, little, <laughs> Shelby, don't look at me. There's this little, it's very embarrassing for me to say because, man, it's just, you know, it's a place of humility. It's like, I have nothing. If God doesn't show up, I'm done. I stayed in like this black, the, this back radio room. It, you're not supposed to amen that. The, the back radio room of this church, and I slept on the ground with like a sleeping bag and a pillow. So I'm working at the church, living like at the church, like in an office pretty much. So I'd like wrap up all my stuff by the end of the day, shove it like and hide it like somewhere. And I did that for six months because I knew I wasn't supposed to go home. I knew that God needed me there. So they had KSM, they had transformed is what it was called back then. They had that going on. And I was like, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to do that. You know, just a five-year-old throwing a temper tantrum to God. And then my mom, love you, mom, she gave me an ultimatum. She called me on the phone one day. So what are you doing? Where are you living? What's going on? I'm like, nah, you know, God's good. Amen. <laughs> oh, got to clean. Vacuum's going haywire. Whatever. And then eventually she got it out of me that I was living at the church, like in this, this little corner. It's like, it's someone's office. I remember one time, <laughs> so embarrassing, like I was sleeping in on my day off or something and Pastor Janelle, Pastor Dr. Morocco's daughter, she walks in, doom, doom, what's going on? She's hitting my foot. What? Chris Diamond, get up. It's a work day. 901. Come on, let's go. She leaves and I'm just like, oh, what's going on? I, don't even, I fall asleep again. She opens the door. Chris, get up, dude. We got to use this room for something. We got we a radio thing we got to fix. I was just like, oh my gosh, Jesus, what's going to happen? And it's so like, oh my gosh, that's feels good to get off my chest, but it's still embarrassing. Praise God. <laughs> And I lived there for six months, like, really living in faith. And then God eventually told me, dude, you need to do KSM. What are you doing? My mom gave me the ultimatum. That's what I was saying. Mom, love you. You told me, Chris, I'm buying you a ticket, and you're coming back home unless you do transform or figure out something else because you are not living at that church. I love you too much. And I'm just like, okay, Mom, I love you too. So I was like, all right, God wants me to do KSM prayed about it. I felt like I was supposed to do children's ministry with Pastor Kirsten there. In all honesty, I thought he was kind of a cool guy and that he was funny and I could joke around with him. So that's why I did it. Really no holy spiritual, you know, an angel came to me and he said, Joseph, you know, Mary, no, nothing like that. It wasn't like that. It was just like, PK's kind of cool. I guess I'll join that one. I guess I'll do that one, I guess. So that fall, I moved into Kula, did two years. I did two years <laughs> in, in KSM. I went through that. I humbled myself before God, and he really taught me. That's, that, that's um, the whole reason I'm telling the story is, you know, the pride of life, how much we care about physical possessions, and God really broke that off me. You know, you're living under your parent. You're living with your family. It's kind of easy. Mom and dad bail me out. I need help. Okay, sweetheart. You know, every once in a while, my parents did send me, uh, like, a little a goodie box, and there'd be, like, little things from home there, and a little I, I love you, little notes, and mom and dad blessing me. And they helped me out in some really hard times where I was like, um, I have no money. I, instead of working now at a, as a janitor, I'm in KSM full time, so I can't be working because I'm doing this. I don't know what I'm going to eat today. All I have is $75 left, and God's telling me to give it to someone. <laughs> like, dude, 
I don't get paid for another week. Like, I locked up the building. That's how I got paid. When everything was said and done, way late at night, and we'd have ministries, like, you know, you got the hula ministry, any kind ministry over there, and they're, like, staying late. I said any kind ministry, settle down. You know, we'd have, like, music production. Pastor Chris is going till 1 a.m., and I'm there waiting around, waiting to lock up the building so I can get an hour or two of pay. You know what, dude, that is very humbling. It's very humbling. I'm not giving myself a pat on the back. I'm saying God really humbled me. God really changed my perspective, my way of thinking, the way I viewed certain situations. Now, this guy, the rich young ruler, the pride of life, he cared so much about his own stuff. He cared about all that he had that he couldn't give it up to Jesus. He was looking at Jesus face to face, the Son of God, God incarnate in flesh. And he said, and he turned away with his head down because he was so ashamed. I got all my stuff, all the things. Where am I going to sleep? What am I going to do? It had become a crutch for him. He leaned on it so much so. The selfish, the selfish aspect of what this man had so much so, so than his devotion to Christ. And he knew about Christ. He said, I had done it since I was a kid. I had done it since I was a little baby. I knew about your teachings. I had followed them to the T. He knew exactly. This is the Messiah. I'm going to him. I'm asking him a question. He's going to say, you're good, dude. You figured it out. Everyone, look at this guy right here. Rich, what's your name? Rich Young Ruler. Look at Rich Young Ruler. Look at him. He's so great. That's it. He's, I can see himself just walking towards Jesus. Everyone back away. Here's, here's the, Jesus. What must, and you know, you can almost see him, the arrogance in his voice. Well, you know, what else, what else do I need? Because I've done everything else since I was a little baby. Like, what am I supposed to do here? Jesus knows exactly what to say. What the hell? Just making sure everyone's awake. Which takes me back to the original passage of Luke 18. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So I'm saying, if I have pride, if I have selfishness, if all I care about is myself, all I think of is me, I need to become humble. Wrong. Wait, no one leave yet. No one leave yet. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I understand. You guys have to take care of it. I'm, I'm saying stay with me. Wrong. You don't have to pray for humility. Because then in turn, I apologize. I didn't mean to, for that to be crude or anything. I was just messing around. That, we don't pray for humility. God, make me humble. God, I need you. Me, me, me. I, I, I. And then it all turns back to this person right here. I need to become humble. And all you're thinking about is me being humble. I'm more humble than all these people. Look at this. I'm humbler than you. I'm better than you. I'm just so humble right now. I'm so humble. And then it becomes all about herself again. Humility is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. It comes by seeking him, by becoming more like him. It says in the word, here, let's go to, let's go to the scripture. We are called to be like Jesus, 1 John 2, 6. First John 2, 6. Actually, let's do five for some context. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him, God. He who says that he abides in him 
if he is in Christ, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. This is saying be identical to Jesus. Walk like Jesus walked in his footsteps. We need to be like Jesus. This is the verse where it's like, well, praise God for you. We're, you know, I'll never be perfect, but um, I'll get there one day, maybe, when I die and I'm in heaven. No, this says walk like Jesus walked. Jesus was a perfect man. Now, we've all made mistakes, but starting tonight, we can start living in perfection because we have the understanding that we're supposed to be like Christ. It is attainable. That we can, we, this is pretty radical, okay? So don't lose me on this one. We are able to, attain perfection, not in ourself, but in Christ, in Jesus. So we can be perfect, but in Christ. If we walk like Jesus walked, that's exactly what this verse is saying. Jesus was the ultimate picture of humility. Philippians 2, it correlates with this, with this verse I just read. Imagine you're a king. You've got everything you've ever wanted. You're living in a perfect utopia. <laughs> Dude. Ah! It's like a slap to my face. Praise Jesus. <laughs> slap on the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Again, let's be like Christ. Let's have the same mindset like Jesus had. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. God living in eternity and perfect unity with God humbled himself. He said, I'll go, Dad. I'll do it. I'm the only one that can take care of it. I'm the only one that can die for the sins of the world. It's, it's got to be me. Adam messed up. Don't worry. Adam, I got your back. Okay? I got you, dude. I'll go. Living in a perfect kingdom, it's like the prince and the pauper, you know, that, that classic tale of like them switching roles and one figuring out, like, oh, I hate my servants, I hate, you know, this, I'm always being told what to do, blah, blah, blah. And then the pauper's like, uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> and they switch places. It's like that. It's God coming in the form of a man, humbling himself, taking on all the ickiness of what being a human is. Our, our messed up thinking, you know, the hurts and the pains that we experience. He went through all of it. <sighs> How much time do I have here? Okay. Praise God. He humbled himself in the likeness of a man. We need to walk like Jesus walked. We need to have the mindset that Jesus had. What's the mindset? The verses right before it talks about him coming from heaven, the perfect utopia, and then coming to earth where Satan lives. Think about that. Yikes. We need to have that likeness. Giving up of ourselves so that others can be saved. That's exactly how Jesus modeled it to him. Everyone say this together. It's not about me. If you've ever read the, driven, the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, it's the very first statement in the book. The Purpose Driven Life, why we're here. He wrote a whole book on, you know, our purpose and all this thing. And he's a, I believe he's a Baptist preacher or something like that. 
the very first sentence is, it's not all about me. And it's, you know, like millions and millions of copies have been sold, and that's the very first statement. There's some, there's, uh, there's some truth that he tapped into with that book, and God really blessed him because he found out that it's not all about me. What a novel thought. Matthew, Matthew 6, 30 through 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom, my kingdom, and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto thee. Before that, he's talking about physical possessions. I've talked about it before in an offering message, I believe. Where it's just straight up, don't worry about your stuff. I'll take care of it. Put me first and I'll take care of it. That's exactly what happened to me when I first moved here. Within a month, I, have, I had everything. I had a place, I had a car, a stable job. <laughs> it's just amazing to see. A couple years ago, I was living in the back room in the radio office and people were walking in when I was still sleeping drool over my pillow here comes Minister Chris <laughs> right oh I need that pat on the back no it's not about us it's not about me why do we do like oh my Jesus help me because I see this so much in myself and that's why God's been dealing with me about this so much is because I see it in myself in the book, in the, in the Irresistible to God, he's like listing all the forms of pride and the different issues and, you know, the introvert and the extrovert and the person who lies and the person who does things for attention and they want people to look at them and different things. And it's just like, why do we really do it? It's for ourselves. Any sin ever done or conceived or thought of ever in the history of the world, the root of that sin is selfishness. That is correct. It's selfishness. It all has to do with me. Why do we murder that person? Why do we do that? Why do we take drugs for me to feel good? Because that person was with, you know, my girlfriend or, you know, I stole that to make me feel better. It's all about us. Yikes. Christianity, I love it. I love it. Christianity or having a relationship with God. We're not a religion. We're having a relationship with God. But I say Christianity. Um... It's, oh, what, what's the pastor's name? Uh, Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke says this. He's like, I tell people when they ask me about Christianity, it's the exact opposite of every religion. In other religions, you have to try to attain some enlightenment or try to attain some level of awesomeness in that religion or try to attain holiness or try to attain something, whereas Christianity is completely reversed in this instant. God forgives you of your sins and you have it instantaneously. That's what Reinhard Bonnke says. Amen. Jesus humbled himself as a man in the likeness of a man to be crucified. We're supposed to walk like Jesus. Now, I told, I told the, the story of King Saul, and I'm going to tell you the story of King David. He messed up. He was a man after God's own heart, but he messed up. He was... Uh, he fornicated with someone he wasn't supposed to, that was not his wife, and he committed murder. And after that, he, he had a choice. He could have covered it up the best he could, lied to, the, lied to the prophet or whatever, you know, kind of hidden him away, whatever, stick him in this dungeon, no one must know of this, kill everyone who's involved. But God gave him a second chance, just like he did with King Saul. He gives us second chances. He gives us second chances. Praise God for that. But I believe sometimes we can get in a place in our hearts where that's where we live our life. 
And we know, okay, you know, God is a God of grace, and so if I do this, it's not going to be that bad, and, you know, I can forgive. You know, we don't think those thoughts, but subconsciously it's there. Oh, God forgives. You know, I don't really have to worry about it too much. That is the exact opposite of God, how God has called us to be. We're not supposed to have that heart condition. It's not about us. Humility is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. You don't ask and say, I need to become humble. You say, God, I need more of you. Because the more we become like him, the less we become of ourselves. Another quote by C.S. Lewis. It's very practical, and I might have to say it twice. He says it in Mere Christianity, his book. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So you don't think, I need to be more humble. You think, oh, what about that person? Do they need help? God, I love you so much. I want to be used by you today. God, use me. It's not... You know, okay, I need, to, I need to get blessed. I need divine encounters today, and I need this, and I need that. And God, if you don't come through for me, I don't know what I'm going to do. We were talking about this. It was, it, was, it was an awesome point. Pastor Alex was talking to the youth, and I heard him say that Satan is under your feet. You're a believer. You're a Christian. Satan is under your feet, and that's exactly right. The first thing that Satan does to believers to try to attack us is to go after what part of the armor, Miss Rosie? Our feet, our peace. She's teaching our preschoolers the armor of God, so that's why I was asking her. Pop quiz. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. Satan will go after your peace. He'll pop a tire in your car. He'll mess up something financially. He'll take away your peace. I can't sleep at night. I can't do this. That's the first thing he does. You're standing on Satan. The first thing he's going to attack is your peace. The peace of the gospel. God, help us. We need your help, Jesus. So here's some things to ask yourself as we close tonight. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm going to tell you a story, and then we're going to end. A couple things. Do you long for a lot of attention? Do you become jealous or critical of people who succeed? Do you always have to win? It's all about you. I have to win. Do you have a pattern of lying? Trying to make people think you have a the better perception of who you are. Do you have a hard time saying you were wrong? Let's all say it now. I was wrong. Praise God. Do you have conflicts <laughs> with a lot of people? Do you have conflicts? Have you ever seen two humble people just ripping each other apart, swearing at each other, cursing at each other? I want you to be the first in line. No, I want you to be the first in line. (laughs) Have you ever seen that? No, because it doesn't happen. Because they're humble people. It's two proud people going at it. I should be first. My opinion's better. Why do you think people get... I don't know if I want to say this. Why do you think people get divorces? Why do you think people fight? Why do you think stuff like that happens? It's not God's plan. It's, it's our own thinking. I'm selfish. It's all about me. They didn't say sorry. I said sorry, and they didn't say sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> my pouty voice. Do you have conflicts with a lot of people? Do you cut in line? Where I'm going is way more important than yours. My time is way more important. And you both stop at the red light. I love that. And you just look over at the person. 
Dann, praise God. It's getting hot in here. Turn down the mains. It's getting hot. Do you get upset when no one acknowledges you for that achievement? You did a great job. Oh, say it again, one more time. Right there. Give me that pat on the back. Right there. Need that pat. Thank you. Why are you really doing it? Is it so you'll get that affirmation? Dude, worship was fantastic. Thank you so much. You blessed me so much. This your mic. You should be the pastor. Then before you know it, yeah, I should be the pastor. That is completely contrary to the word of God. Walk like Jesus walked. We don't do it for the pat on the back. We don't do it. You're just such a beautiful person. You're, you just have the heart of gold. The paragon of virtue, to use the Dr. Morocco term. People just think they're the paragon of virtue. I love that. Do you get upset when no one says, great job? No one said it. Maybe they didn't even know. Maybe their life experiences, their perception on life was different from yours, whereas, I don't know, just saying. Okay, moving on. Do you have an attitude of entitlement? Just like Miriam in the Bible. I think that I deserve, you know, I'm a leader too, God. Use me. You can use it. You can use What's I don't, okay. Do you have an attitude of entitlement? Do you think you're better than everyone else? Do you honestly feel like you are basically a good person and better than others? I'm more spiritual than them. I go to church. <laughs> I go to KC, the best church. Amen. I go to, I, I'm way better than the heathen church down the road. You're a Christian. We're not in a fight against each other. This fight is not a physical fight. <sighs> the problem is the proud person doesn't know they have pride. We think we're generally a good person. I'm great. I'm fantastic. Better than that person. Praise God. <laughs> I thought that once or twice. Like a long time ago, though. Like a long time ago. Like you wouldn't believe, man. All right, I'm going to close with this story. There was, um, it's a true story. FYI. And it's not me, just FYI, because, you know, some people do that. And that person was me. <gasps> it's nothing like that. There was a, a pastor and his son who had a little hundred, hundred um, congregation church uh, down in the south, I believe in Texas. And his pastor, and this pastor was starting to get very notable. Started being on TV, started getting some acclaim to his name, preaching the power of God, people getting touched, people getting healed. Something's, God started using this pastor. And this went on for years and years. And his son, he helped him lay out his suit, get his shoes, polish his shoes, make sure they're all nice and shiny. Make sure they're beautiful. He's got everything. All right, dad, I got your bow tie right there. I've got all that, got that going. You don't have to worry about that. I can help, you know, behind the scenes. I'm in the sound booth. I'm doing stuff. Make sure everything's right. Got all the logistics ready. Dad, all you have to worry is about preaching. You go for it. So the son was really helping out his father. Did this for years and years and years. Father in his old age, he passed away. And the board of trustees, this, this church had grown. They were on the television stuff. They started growing. 
this church had grown and the board of trustees or people voting over, I'm not sure the, the fine details, but they were thinking like, um, okay, so he's passed away. We've had the funeral. Who, who's going to preach for us? Like, there's not a lot of options here. You know, we could have, you know, this guy step up or maybe this person or someone else, or, you know, we could have this other person. They're like, well, I don't know. Well, technically, just to be fair, we should have the son do it because he's next in line. It's the father, the son. They come to him. They ask this person, you know, you, do you want to, you want to preach? You want to be able to preach? It's like, yeah, I can preach. I can, I can, I can step up. You know, I think I'm, I think I'm prepared. I believe I'm ready for it. So the Sunday comes for his first sermon and he just prays the fire of God. People are getting touched. The place breaks out in revival. They're going crazy. They're loving Jesus. And they're scratching their heads going, what happened? What, oh, my goodness. Where did this guy come from? We've never seen him preach like this before. It's like his first time preaching right after his dad passed away. Like, how are you going to follow this up? You know, it's your dad. He's like this amazing. He's like on TV. He's got all these different things going on. He's selling books and tapes and all this other stuff. And he steps up and he just blows people away and they're like, whoa, what happened? And it's humility. He humbled himself. That man was Joel Osteen. How many of you guys ever heard of him? You knew who it was? Joel Osteen did that. That guy has been on the news like all, every single major television. Have you ever seen him frown? That's the question I have. That guy is always happy. He, God has gifted him with a, like a blessing of joy. Just check him out. Millions and millions and millions have been touched by his ministry. Absolutely amazing. Luke 18. Verse 14. I'm going to close with this. I tell you, this man went down to his house rather, justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Joel Osteen didn't think to himself, I need to humble myself. I need to be, you know, making sure that, you know, I stand in a place of humility. He did not do that. All he did was thought about others. He thought about his dad, thought, make sure the church was going forward, made sure everything was right. He made his dad look good. And when his dad passed away, he was next in line, took that over, and God absolutely blessed his socks off. The guy's got a huge ministry, television all over the world, thousands and thousands of books sold through his ministry, all because he humbled himself. And that's not saying tonight that we need to go out and, you know, humble ourselves and just throw all the money that we have at, you know, all this other stuff. You know, God wants to make sure that we're also taking care of her. He, take, he, he watches over us. But it's not like we, we go through our life, like I said this morning, with a clenched fist but with an open hand. So we give so we can get. We're thinking about other people. We're thinking about our family. We're thinking about others that may need help. If God tells us to give something, we'll give it. If God tells us to stay somewhere, we'll stay. Not for our own self. Not, oh, maybe you know, God's teaching me a lesson because I'm going through this hardship. That's not God. James 1 clearly states every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights where there's no changing, variation, or shifting of shadows. <sighs> so why do we and our sin get mad at someone else for messing up our coffee order or messing up our drink order? We have no right to do that to someone else. That's just straight up. That's like basic stuff. Dude, I'm sweating up here. I'm getting nervous because this is totally talking to me. 
I'm going to give that person a bad tip. They only refilled my Coke twice, and I want it three times or more. And so you start talking stink. Start putting yourself above that person. I'm better than them. I could have taken that order. They're junk. I'm not doing that. No, they're getting a bad tip. You know what? Dine and dash. Let's get out of here. I'm not even paying for the meal. It should be free because this was horrible service. You have absolutely no right to do that. God. (laughs) I mean, that's really God's heart. Not so we can criticize and critique and look at other people and point the finger. (laughs) that's not thinking of others that's thinking of yourself that's putting someone else down you are more important than that person because they messed up your drink order just saying pray about that I'll end for the third time with this quote (laughs) I promise C.S. Lewis I love the man As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. So tonight, if you need prayer, it's me. I need prayer. If you need prayer, if you want God to touch you, and it's not God humble me, because you know, careful what you pray for, because you'll get it. Don't say humble, because he's going to humble you. I've heard that so many times. Dude, go ahead and pray for it. See what happens. Because <laughs> sometimes we need a good slap in the face. Sometimes we need, we need that to happen. If I could have everyone please stand up. So tonight, let's get real. We've all been there. We've all been prideful. It's me. I'm, I'm prideful. We've all struggled with this, man. We've all done it before. Screaming at someone, flipping out because I didn't want sprinkles on my ice cream. Really? Dude, settle down. Okay, I'll get you your ice cream. Let me pray for you. We've all done that in some capacity or another. Oh, Jesus. So tonight, I'm going to open up the altars. This is just a time between you and God. We don't know your heart. It says in the word that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. That's why the Pharisee was like, thank God I'm not like this man. And the tax collector went home justified. God forgave him. Jesus called Pharisees whitewashed tombs, looking all pretty and shiny on the outside, but there's something dead on the inside. So tonight, if you feel almost like that's you, there's something something not right. There's an issue of pride. Maybe God's revealed some things in your life tonight. Maybe he hasn't and you're nervous like, I don't know if I'm prideful. I don't know if I'm not. That's okay. You can come pray anyways just to make sure you're not. Like for me, it's like, this is a pretty big deal. You read Proverbs and like every other chapter in Proverbs, God says something about pride. I detest it. Top seven things that God hates. Number one, it's pride. Lust of the flesh, Lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The three things that Jesus was tempted in the desert overcame all three temptation. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All three things. Research that. So tonight, if you want to just say, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. I give you my all tonight. I want you to come up to the front right now. We're going to sing this song. Just worship him to say, God, I want more of you. I want more of you.
come on up to the front. And when I finish praying, we're going to sing the song. And this is between you and God. Don't care about what other people think. If you're in leadership and you got a safe face or you're some prominent person, that is pride. That's the exact reason why you should come up. <laughs> That's what's so funny about pride. It's so twisted. It's so back and forth. It's not what God wants. Pride should have never happened. It's a disease. And with God's help, we can eradicate it in our hearts and our minds. So let's pray. Let's just lift our hands and pray. God, we want more of you. Humility is a byproduct of knowing who you truly are. You humbled yourself as a man. You came as the ultimate sacrifice. You came to serve and not to be served. The one king in history that came to serve his people without being served himself. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you must be the servant of all. You have to be a servant to all. And God, we stand before you tonight, humbled and broken. God, we need more of you. There's certain times in our life where we've messed up, we've sinned, we've all been there. We've all said things, we've all done things that disappointed you, but God, we just want to be irresistible to you. So God, touch our hearts tonight. Be with us right now. Jesus, have your way in our life tonight. As we sing this song, I want you to just pray, seek God. Just talk to him, father to daughter to son. Just talk to your dad. Let's pray. Let's sing this song.
Jesus. Let's just take hands with somebody next to you tonight as we close. Mr. Chris, thank you so much. That was a great word on pride. Yeah, we need help. Lord, help us. We thank you that you give us help. You've given us your spirit. Lord, I just thank you tonight, God, for all that you've done. God, we, we just bless your people right now. Lord, I ask that you cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, you lift up your countenance towards them. You'd keep them and you'd give them peace as they go. Bless them, oh God. And Lord, we do ask tonight that, that you would just reveal those areas of pride in our lives, that, that, that the ones that we don't know about, those hidden things, that you would bring those things to light. Lord, by your spirit, by your word, bring revelation to us. Change us and mold us and make us and rearrange us, God, into the image of your son. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. Love y'all. Have a great week. We'll see you. We have a lot of great stuff going on.